Hi, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Today on Black Culture, Black Thought, I am sitting down with my wonderful co-producer, Francesca Clifton. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you on the team. Francesca is a bomb-ass hairstylist who can manage to get my edges laying down, which is no small feat because I can't work that kind of magic on my own hair. It does not happen for me. So welcome to the show, but most importantly, welcome to the team. I'm so thank happy you. you're here. Girl, thank you for having me. I am honored to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. So today we'll be talking, um, we'll be actually taking on two different topics um, that have been in the headlines for the past two weeks. Remy Ma's comments on the sexual assault victims who seek settlements, and then also the recent conviction and sentencing of Amber Geiger. So let's first get started. Into going into the whole Amber Geiger conviction, because that's the most recent one, and right. that's like really trending in the headlines right, right. now, and people are pissed. Mm -hmm. They are mad for many different reasons. So this past week, former police officer Amber Geiger was convicted and sentenced to a 10-year sentence in prison for killing Botham Jean. <coughs> Sorry, guys. I'm a little bit sick. Bear with me. <laughs> We're going to hope my voice makes it to the end of this recording. This has been like a three-week cold. It's not going away. Hopefully it will soon. So back to this, uh, what was in the headlines. Geiger entered into Jean's apartment for which she claims to have mistaken for her own. I do not understand how that happens. It does not make sense to right. me. And I am like, she has yet to like make it make sense. Right. But you know, um, that's her story. She stuck with it. And she shot him when he was sitting on the couch eating ice cream. She was convicted of murder. Um, and during her sentencing hearing, Jean's brother, his younger brother, testified saying, I love you just like I love anyone else. And I'm not going to hope for you to rot and die. I personally want the best for you. I wasn't going to say this in front of my family. I don't even want you to go to jail. I just want you to. Oh, I just want the best for you because I know that's exactly what Botham would have want for you. Give your life to Christ. I think giving your life to Christ is the best thing Botham would want for you. He then went on to give Geiger a hug. Geiger was actually sentenced to 10 years in jail. And today, a complaint has been taken out against the judge, Judge Tammy Kemp, because she also got up after the sentencing, mm -hmm. walked over to Geiger. I think she might have had, I watched the video, and mm -hmm. she had a book in her hand. She had a Bible. She had a Bible hand. in her right. hand, right? Yeah. So she had a Bible in her hand. She seems like presenting her with some verse in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And then after that, gave her a hug as well. Yes. So we have a lot of hugging going on. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> it's really freaking weird. For the weird. first time that we've ever seen. Is it the first? Uh, that's the first time but, a I mean, judge has. Oh, yeah, that a judge. Right. Yes. And that even, a judge has hugged. Yes. Like the, a person who literally is convicted of a murder. Like Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And. Even I was watching the video, the video, the news feed that I was watching, they were like the reporter, but I, this is unprecedented. Like I've never, no. ever seen this before. No. So the questions that we want to get into, maybe also addressing that hugging because the hugging and forgiveness, definitely. We want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and I think what I, what I'm seeing a lot of people respond to is this pain and like how that forgiveness from Jean's brother, from the judge, seems to negate that pain. And I kind of want to talk about what is the communal pain associated with Black forgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, but also I want to talk about, is this conviction and sentencing fair for 
fair justice for the black community. No. <laughs> um, Hell no. You know. Um, I just thought I would present the question. <laughs> and then also, what is it with white women and their non-existent tears? Mm. Because mm. I think The Read, my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts is The Read. And something that Kid Fury and Crystal always say is if I could just see one tear mm. drop from those eyes of like you sobbing, yeah, but not actually crying, right. <laughs> like you right. know, then maybe I will believe you. Mm-hmm. My great grandmother used to call them crocodile tears. Yes, crocodile. exactly, and that's she had a lot of crocodile <laughs> tears going on. Right. And I looked; it was not a, the best um, picture that I had, but still, I did not see the tear. So, mm-hmm. what's up with that? Right. And maybe that's the first thing we could talk about. So, I think something that's very interesting with this case in particular and her getting sentenced is that white women are very often not held accountable right. for the pain that they cause onto black people specifically. Right. And this is a historical legacy. Um, we look at slavery and we look at the slave master at like only being white men, mm-hmm. but there was white women in those households. That played a great role. That played a yes. huge role in right. the abuse of Black people, right. and also specifically black, black women, women. Right. Um, especially women whose, um, like, you know, white women whose husband would rape the black women. Yes. And the, like, you know, the black, the white um, house mistress would then take on or just, you know, punish that mm-hmm. victim. I think we kind of gloss over that in history. But no, um, if we look at the historical legacy of just mistresses in like a plantation the pain that they cause onto black people black women black men mm-hmm. and how that kind of continued throughout history lynchings a lot of lynchings happen at the under the guise of a black man sleeping with a white woman right and the protection of white womanhood mm-hmm. and i think that that protection of white womanhood then equated to an innocence of white womanhood right that is still upheld today with this conviction I think that, I don't know if this is just like, because she's a woman, and I, you kind of brought this point up before, she's became the like scapegoat. Right. And like, right. there's a history of that. There is absolutely a history of that. Um, I believe it was a few years ago when there was an Asian cop uh-huh. who ended up uh, being convicted of murder, where it was many times where there were white Caucasian males who had committed the exact same crime who got off with just a little bit of desk duty or, you know, yeah. just no type of real <laughs> conviction at all. So it's it's definitely a pick and choose type of thing, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who gets, who has to be punished? Yes. Who are we going to make an example of? Yes. But we don't really want to make the example of the people who we, we care about the most, yeah. which is the white males. Yes. Because, so. you know, um, policing was meant to uphold white supremacy. Absolutely. And also patriarchy, yeah. and that's what it's still upholding to this day. Mm-hmm. That's what it was born out of, and that's what it's upholding. Mm-hmm. So it will always protect white men, and it will sacrifice everybody else in order to keep protecting white men. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting one, and I just wanted to touch on that very lightly. So then, let's go back to the one that you had the most strongest reaction to. <laughs> <laughs> Is this conviction and sentencing fair justice for the black community? And I will say again, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's it's definitely a slap in the face. Had it been any other circumstance where it's a woman of color, a man of color, anyone else without a badge 
to support them, they would have went to jail for 25 to life, hands down. And it's really a slap in the face that, unfortunately, they're so protected. Yeah, Uh, Cops are so protected. And as you were just saying, white women are so quickly believed in the situation and so quickly uh, given sympathy. And yeah. it's, it's it's almost laughable that they charged her with 10 years. It's small. I know. And like, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on it. And I don't think my mixed feelings come from a place of, oh, I think that's an adequate sentencing. I think one, I'm just really tired. Yeah. I'm yeah. so tired. And for so many reasons, for me, um, personally, I had to take a step back from engaging in these kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. And even till this day, I have a very hard time engaging in them because it is traumatic. Yeah. And I think at this point, I'm just kind of traumatized. Um, you see black people being killed. You watch them die a right. thousand deaths mm-hmm. because you're literally being played time and time and time again. Right. Um, so we watch this. Everybody knows. Everybody who has eyes know that this was not right. This is fucked up. The police officer is in the wrong. And yet that police officer is protected, is being advocated for, mm-hmm. has like blue lives matter on their side, mm-hmm. has white people who can say black lives matter, but will say blue lives matter on their side. Right. Like, you know, people can, they, he, they will always be protected and they will never be found guilty. And then it was like, but wait a second, what's happening? Is this just some type of like weird way of keeping black people in their place and that's kind of what it felt like watching all of these videos constant deaths lack of verdicts lacks of convictions i mean it felt like all right this is just meant to be like y'all could have all the evidence in the world yeah and we will still find that person innocent Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. your life is not worth like your life is not actually seen as a life loss Mm -hmm. so with this i felt like on one hand yes Thank you. Thank you for finding her guilty. Thank you for finding her, for sentencing her. I didn't think that was going to happen. Honestly, really? I'm a little bit surprised that they found her guilty. Yeah. I yes and no. I saw the ride, actually. Yes I and saw, no. like, once, they were like, oh my God, they're going to convict her of some people. Yeah! You know, yeah. it was like a big triumph. Everyone was excited. And then once they said <laughs> 10 years, it was like everybody, everybody just, yes. you know? It was like a communal, yeah, like, yeah. what? A letdown. Yeah. I mean, a letdown, but then also, it's like a weird let up, but let down, like, you know, yeah. like, oh, you, you surprised me. And I think what was so, I think this conviction only happened because the jury was diverse. The jury was diverse, and there was, like, enough people of color on that jury to be like, nah, like, you know, um, however, there's like this, this is America and I've seen weirder things happen. So like, I would not have been surprised if she would have found not guilty. Right. Um, so yeah, so there was this lack, like, I was just surprised by it. Um, and I wonder if I'm having a lack of response because I'm just that checked out. And it's like, for me, me checking out and not getting angry and not getting upset is an act of self-care mm. at this point, mm. you know, because right. it's like, it's, does it make sense? It's like, it's harmful to me to watch this happen time and time again. Right. And I'm not, it's painful. Yeah. And that, and that, that's, I mean, however you have to deal with it, you deal, deal with it that way. So if you have to kind of 
take it all out of your spirit, then do that because this can be very impactful for for the people who see it every week yeah. on the news, every week on their social media, every week in their, their on their uh, podcast. Yeah. You know, like they're they're constantly hearing this because it's so desensitized at this point where it's literally everyday yeah. topic. Yeah, I didn't even really want to cover it, and yeah. then you were like. Let's cover this. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> like I mean, I thought, you know. No, it's an important conversation. Yeah. And it's one that I wouldn't be doing justice to my podcast if I didn't cover it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing justice to my audience, even yeah. though there's like, you know, about a good 30 of you. How are y'all? <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Um, I wouldn't have been doing justice to my audience if I didn't cover this topic. And mm-hmm. also like. I think a part of self-care is also pushing yourself to re-engage in topics that you had to take a step back from. Um, I took a step back from, it wasn't like activism. I feel like that's kind of what I'm trying to re-engage with. Mm -hmm. Like black people dying, black people being murdered is traumatic. Um, And I don't want to have to engage in that anymore. But to me, activism and advocacy has kind of always been a part of my identity growing up. And it's like, how do you then re-engage back into those conversations? So that's kind of like where I'm at right now, where it's like, you need to kind of take that like baby steps. So this to me was like a baby step of like going back into the um, advocacy part of this, of the conversation. Um, Yeah, because I'm not sure if I'm ready to go back out to the activism part. Going to college was like a really traumatic experience for me. Just being an adult that's like lived real world experience and done activism like with grassroots organizers then going back into like going into a college setting where it's very white very idealistic but also doesn't see who is the most vulnerable Mm. it became dangerous almost Mm. like people got silenced people's like you like black organizers will organize a protest and then white people will just join it and then at the end we'll be like well it just felt very like reactive because we didn't really know what it was about, but it's like, well, why don't you like, you know, ask more information before you just join a protest right. just to join a protest right. because we know what we're organizing for right. <laughs> just because you don't know what you're organizing that you're joining. That's not on us. That's mm-hmm. on you. So, um, yeah. So I had to take that step back for like survival there and like a year out, it's like, all right, now how do I re-engage in these topics? But enough about me. Um, <laughs> so Yeah. Um, I definitely think that this isn't fair for the black community. It's not fair. I think when I looked at this, I don't know what's a fair sentence for ending a life. And I think that's kind of what I'm getting at Hmm. is what's a fair sentence for ending a life, for taking away a life Um, in the full acknowledgement of black people being over sentenced. Right. You know, so I'm like, is 10 years a fair sentence, quote unquote, Or is it like life in prison, what a black person might have gotten? Is that a fair sentence? Which one is the actual fair sentencing? Right, right. Despite the race, like, you know? Well, do you have any ideas? That's a great question. Um, I personally think, yeah, it should be. If you took a life, you should have to give your life. I mean, but with this system... It, it's it's never going to be fair. Mm -hmm. It's just, it wasn't built to be fair. So... I think the real question is, what did we expect? Yeah. You know, like r- really what and what can we do to actually make progressive change into making it that black people or people of color are not 
uh, over-criminalized for their mm-hmm. crimes. And then white people are not under-criminalized yeah. for their crimes. Yeah. What will Like, where's take? the balance exactly. at? And I don't think... I mean, look at our country right now. We have somebody in the office who is actively <sighs> confessing <laughs> to committing crimes. <laughs> and, yeah. That headache. And you have people, like, I didn't know that you could, like, just not show up for a subpoena, a court subpoena, and not be arrested. But apparently, if you are of a certain status... Yes, you can do you want. Uh, you, you can. <laughs> you can. And this is my certain status voice. And, like, like, maybe that's, like, what is that? I don't understand. I mean, listen, okay. power gets you places, and that's what they understand, and that's why they keep it. Yeah. They are unwilling to share it. <laughs> so the other part of this, too, though is how I think the hug from the brother. Ah. That's a big part of it. Um, And the hug from the judge. And I think that people are so upset because this is such a small gain. So I think another big part of this is how can we look at this as being a gain for the Black community when a death had to happen? Right, exactly. It seems as if we... We only get we we only progress at the cost of a black body, and that means that a cop gets sentenced to ten years, a mere ten years in jail for taking a twenty eight year old's life, and it's obviously it doesn't even fit that the 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 sentence doesn't fit the crime, but um at our expense it's supposed to be change, mm-hmm. and I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think also that's like a part of why I am numb and why I can't, I mean, I think it's really why I'm numb. I'm not having a strong reaction to this either way is because at the end of the day, somebody had to die for this moment. And I know that somebody could very well die tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. And it will go not in this way, Mm -hmm. you know? It could go easily as a non-conviction and acquitted, um, being acquitted for murder, acquitted, uh, being acquitted <laughs> um, for murder. And I don't, that scares me. Yeah. And I think that my fear is not erased with this conviction and it cannot feel like a gain because I still live in so much fear for black people's lives. It's hard to feel like a game. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't think you can make it feel like a game. Yeah. And I think that's why people are so upset that the old younger brother, Gene's younger yeah. brother, hugged Geiger because they know that this is not right. This isn't it. Mm-hmm. And yes, she's going to jail for 10 years, but she will still get out relatively young. Yeah. And she still has a lot of life outside of jail left to live. And his brother will never get his life back. Right. And his brother died literally sitting on a couch. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why he probably, that she's probably going to jail, and somebody said this, I don't remember who, um, is that because he was kind of like the right kind of black person. You're right, you're right. You know? I, yeah, I, I actually read that too. Everyone's saying like he was a model citizen yeah. black person. Like, uh, actually going back, uh, the cops actually did attempt to yeah. smear his name mm-hmm. when they, they... Like he had weed. Yeah, he had some weed in his... <laughs> in his job place. Dead, all right? Right, job right. And they literally thought it was a good idea to release that to the public. No. As if that didn't seem like a smear campaign, but... um, And that's old. That's Trayvon Martin. Yeah. That's Michael Brown. Yeah. 
That's every single black person that's been killed by the yeah. police. Oh, they're doing something illegal that was not like a criminal act. Nobody's life was in danger. Mm -hmm. You can't say oh. selling Lucy's is like somebody should die over that. But they want they want you to to feel less sympathy for the black body, yeah. for this black person, for this family, for everyone involved. You know, they 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 don't want they don't want to look like the bad guy. Period. Yeah. And however way they got to go about it. But um, back to what you were saying. It's it's really unfortunate that we have to be the example to make the change. Yeah. And, or the sacrifice. The sacrifice. The sacrifice to make the change. Right. And I'm tired of that shit. Ah. I am so tired ah. of it. And, like, I could cry. It's easy to cry over. I'm that numb, I think, at this point that yeah. I, like, I have a hard time crying over it. But there are times where I would watch a video or I would read an article and it's just, like, you know, sobbing. Yeah. And... That's a feeling that so many people of color are living with. And I'm actually going to stop saying people of color um, and just say black people because okay. I think somewhere along the line, just saying black people has become politicized. Like it's been, like too political mm -hmm. and people of color is like the softball way of saying it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's like, no, black people okay. and other people of color also hold racist ideologies against black people this that kind true. of uphold these systems of oppression. That's true. Um, black people also hold some of those ideologies <laughs> that uphold the system of That's oppression. <laughs> yeah. But I also think, um, and this is not anything new. This is a conversation that a lot of people are having online right now. It's just the role that religion is playing into the forgiveness aspect of it. Um, and just fully acknowledging and I'm not trying to come for everybody, anybody's religion. I'm not a religious person. I'm not to say that I'm not a spiritual person, but I am not an organized religion type of person. Gotcha. So with that being said, I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody's religion, but we do need to recognize what Christianity and the role that it played in oppressing and maintaining that systems of oppression within Black people. And I think that's why so many people were angry yes. with the hug that he gave mm -hmm. her. Mm -hmm. And the judge had no business hugging her. Absolutely not. That was just unforgivable. Absolutely that was not even your place. It's not your place no. to forgive her. It was unprofessional as hell. It was, yeah. first of all, <laughs> now that's angering. That's extremely mm -hmm. angering. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm sorry, the fact that she's, she's black made it even worse. It did. It did. Because yeah. it was like, come on, sis. No, I mean, if that was a white lady, we would all be like, oh, fuck no. She got to oh, go. Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. Like, we're You're just right, like, we're right. like, sis, <laughs> sis, sis, right. get it together, okay? <laughs> like, backhand, like, nah, what nah, are you doing? Right yes. Now. <laughs> what is that shit? Get it together. Don't let me catch you slipping out of here again. <laughs> No. Um, but yeah, or take a complaint out of her is also like yeah. the right step to do. Yeah. But all jokes aside, she she played herself. She yeah. played herself like what was she thinking? And and not even to go like I'm not gonna go too much into like all the details of the case, but there were so many things that were wrong with that with, with um Amber Geiger. Yeah. That there were so many things that first of all conflicting stories they didn't do a drug test on her right. they didn't test her alcohol level no, they, 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 they took the they turned the cameras off so we yes. don't actually know what the intention was and somebody asked this question online i need to start writing these things down so i can actually quote people and give them credit uh -huh. but just know i'm giving credit in spirit okay <laughs> um and i will actually look it up and maybe link it in yes. the description um but this person said that how did she get in the apartment, though? And I know they're saying that the door was slightly ajar. 
or is that the story? See, I've read I've read so many different things too. That the door was slightly ajar. That the doors actually automatically lock when they're when they yeah. close in. That's I heard that too. So I mean, um, there was also a story. One person, one neighbor, happened to hear a woman banging on the door yeah. saying, "Let me in." And then also there's the fact that he had like this white, I mean, I'm sorry, red mat outside of yeah. his apartment, which she did not have. So, I mean, there's so many different stories. Yeah. And it's, it's the fact that she even initially pled not guilty to me shows that she's not that remorseful. No. You can't be that remorseful if you think that you took a life and you don't have to pay anything for it. So for me. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a no. I think that's what it is. Let yeah. me go back to my snitching conversation yeah. when I said, yeah, yeah. I said, my friends need to be like, you are not my friend if you can't own up to the issue you did. Okay. Yeah. And you got to just own up to it. Like if I kill somebody and I'm going to like pretend to be remorseful, then I need to pretend to at least be willing to take the consequences. Right. 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 <laughs> you know? Like, Let, let's pretend to act like you can Let's just continue with this pretend. <laughs> right. This make-believe. It's an activity that children do, okay? Yeah. Like, you should be a master in it at this point in your life, at the very minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, I definitely think that this is just... I don't know, man. It's just so annoying. Yeah. It's so, like, old. It's tiring. I am not sad that you're going to jail, yeah, but what, <laughs> like that's you know, it. But period. what I what I, what I will say about his um his brother, I feel as if I do agree with you. I yeah. do agree with you full heartedly <laughs> that uh, Christianity has played a huge mm-hmm. part in keeping black people docile, yeah, and keeping that's them right, um uh in their place uh from just keeping them also in a very forgiving state to their oppressors. So I do, I will say that. um, I mean, I think about, I think about um, Dylan Roof and him shooting up the church and then having the people who survived that attack be like, well, we forgive you. Yeah. 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 Make it make sense. I can't like, and I think we look at forgiveness as being such a courageous act. And I'm starting to wonder if is if it's more performative than it is truly what they believe. See, I, I from from me personally, I think it it is about you personally and spiritually how forgiveness affects you. So I can't really say how it affects everyone else, but um, just just to go back to um his brother, I do think that people are coming down really hard on him. Yeah, and I think yeah. that we forget the fact that he's only 18, first of all, and not everyone is okay. Not everyone's born woke. You understand? So maybe he may not understand the the effects that mm. that uh, white supremacy even had on Christianity to make him be as forgiving as he. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But I will say that he's to me, an eighteen year old is just a boy. He's just a boy. He wants to be doing the good thing, and he believed his brother was like so perfect. Like he, the perfect yeah. Christian brother. You know. So I think in his defense, he really was just trying to grieve the way he knows how to grieve. Yeah. And I don't think that it's fair that we put so much pressure on him to hold on to that anger and hold on to that resentment when he doesn't want to. You know, like if he wants to, he wants to transcend, he wants to forgive, he wants to move past it. I think he's allowed to do it. 
Now, giving a hug to your brother's murderer may not be the best uh, way to show it. But, <laughs> but all in all, that's his way of getting over it. And I don't. I think that we're coming down really hard on this boy for uh, holding up a culture that we want him to to hold up. Yeah. I do think, though, um, I agree with you. I think that they're coming down way too hard on him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, don't attack him. Let's use what he did as a way to, like, have a conversation. Absolutely. I think that's kind Absolutely. of what needs to happen. And we need to kind of shift the anger from him and yes. shift the way we're talking about the situation. Yes. Because he is somebody who's still grieving. Yes. Um, and I think that's kind of what I meant with, like, is this kind of performative? Because... I don't know if forgiveness can come until you fully grieved. Mm. I think you need to fully mm. grieve. Okay. And I think sometimes we're pressured to forgive. And I think sometimes religion can pressure us to forgive because it's telling us what the Lord wants us to do. And I can't imagine a world where his brother might have really preached forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And him now wanting to live in his brother's footsteps. Right. And it's now like, my brother would want me to forgive. Mm-hmm. And he said it. I want, like, my brother would want you yeah. to dedicate your life. So following in your brother's footsteps, is he practicing forgiveness before he's fully grieved? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know. I don't know. I've never was able to forgive somebody, truly, fully forgive them until I fully healed from the pain that they caused me. And that healing process is not a slow process, Um, especially with a trauma like this. Right. It's not a slow process. It's a long process. And I think, like, I think with the Dylan Roof one, not even like a few months passed before they were like, we forgive you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you haven't healed from that yet. Mm -hmm. And you need to heal in order to forgive. So that's just kind of like my thoughts on forgiveness and kind of why I can see... I think this might be slightly, not necessarily, and I don't want to ruin his intentions because I don't think that his intentions are this. Right. But I do think that there could be a performative aspect to both himself and that he's putting outward too. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do you have any last thoughts before we move on to the next topic? Um. Actually, yes. I would like to just... Uh, take a second just to acknowledge Botham John. Um, we don't want him to just turn into the next hashtag or the latest victim. We do want to acknowledge that this brother was a human being and he was an amazing person. So we just want to take a second just to honor you and thank you. Uh, we honor your family and we love you, Botham. Don't forget his name. And I actually do have something else to say. Um, <laughs> you guys, I don't know if you watch the show The Real. Every now, I got recently got kind of into it and I watched some YouTube clips they covered this topic on the real and Lonnie love who is a host or co-host of the show kind of like just made this statement of saying that this could happen to anyone. And then Jeannie, Mai kind of went back at her and was like, no, this happened because he is a black man. And I think that we as black people cannot. And I think Lonnie was like, she said what she said was to try to gain empathy mm-hmm. from white people to see that, Oh, this could be anybody, but it's really not. And I don't want to gain empathy from somebody because this could happen to you. Mm. I want to gain empathy because I want you to see me fully human and see that this should happen to no human being. So I think the comment, like what she should have said or what I wish she would have said and what I hope she meant was that 
instead of this could happen to anybody is that this should happen to nobody. Absolutely. Right. You know, right. and language matters. Words matter. Yeah. Something I think we could all practice a little bit more right. of is being right. intentional with our words. Context matters. And yeah. this would not have happened to a white woman. This would not have happened to a white man. This happened to a black man. Right very specifically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we need to acknowledge that in order to move forward. Because yes. saying that this is like a universal thing is misleading and it's not going to move us forward in this conversation to where the conversation needs to go. So I too want to follow you up with saying rest in peace to Botham John. Um, a life taken way too soon ended mm-hmm. way too short. And I wish would be the last. But we will not let him go in vain. We will uphold him and Absolutely. like everybody else. So Yes. Yes. All right. So let's move on to the other topic. All right. All right. And this one is a little bit of a stark transition, kind of awkward. I put these two together in the same episode. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to ignore the awkward moments and we're going to be forgiving. You know, there's just so much has been happening with the last... So much has been happening with the last couple weeks. So much to cover. And really... It's, it's too much to really... You got to get everybody's yeah. opinions. You got to get it Yes, out, you, you know? have to get the opinions. But then also I felt like both of these were really important conversations to have. Yes. And I'm a little bit late on the Remy Ma thing. So I was like, I can't wait another week. Okay. <laughs> so I really wanted to address it though because I think what she said was very dangerous. Man, was it. I think there was such a danger in what she... Yeah. What, what, her comments were where they landed, the language she chose to use. It was careless. It was ignorant. And I expect more from you, Remy. I, I was, yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. I'm not going to laugh. I yeah. was very surprised. So Remy Ma, about two weeks ago, appeared on an episode of State of the Culture, which is a TV show or a show, podcast, I don't know, on Revolt TV hosted by Joe Budden. Uh, Mom made comments about the recent rape allegations against former football player Anthony Brown. So what that is, is that in September, Brittany Taylor, who is a trainer in Florida, accused Brown of rape and pressed federal charges seeking a monetary compensation. Um, Brown, and this came after her lawsuit came after Brown denied allegations and saying that he was refusing to settle out shell out a $2 million settlement. So Remy Ma appeared on the show. She's kind of talking about these allegations. And what she said was, it seems like in a lot of these allegations, oh, in a lot of these alleged sexual assault cases, the women are asking for money. Hey, give me some money and I'll feel better. To me, any exchange with sexual acts are being compensated, being compensated with money, that's prostitution. Um, when the host, so like after that, the host kind of pushed back and was like, well, what about like using money for therapy or using money for doctor visits Mm -hmm. or all of the very, very, very important, important, but yet expensive costs of surviving a sexual assault that's associated with it. Um, Remy Ma responded like, oh, or you could go shoe shopping buy a bag wow and that's a problem wow that's such a problem so what i want to talk about this was why might a survivor of rape or sexual assault or harassment want to settle outside of the court versus pressing charges and kind of looking into 
the history of our criminal justice system and how they treat both currently and historically women and sexual assault survivors. So also I kind of have a personal experience going through the sexual, like going through the court system for a sexual harassment case, assault case. I don't actually know where it, what it was labeled as, but in February, March, I believe March, in March of this year, um, I was I live in New York City, so I was riding the subway. And something you should know about New York City subways, if you don't live in New York City, is that if you ride it daily, you will see some penises on the subway. Right. Um, men are trash. Men have the capacity to be trash. No, no, no not all men. I know. Men. I, know. I was like, I no, changed it. That out real quick. I changed it. I mean, I, got you, I, got you. I mean, according to the data I've been collecting. <laughs> <laughs> men are kind of trash okay <laughs> it's Lizzo's question why are men great till they gotta be great I got faith in y'all girl is that a blind faith okay <laughs> What's, no. anyways um yeah so you would like look I probably in my lifetime on a train seen at least three or four penises out right yeah it happens you mm-hmm. see and it's like some of them, like you, like one time, fell asleep on a train, woke up, and it was like three o'clock. It was New Year's Eve, three o'clock in the morning, coming home, and wake up, and a guy's just jerking off Whoa. like right across from us. And I was like, uh oh, woke my friend up. My friend was like, I'm going back to sleep because that's how common it is. Like she was like, I'm just gonna stay asleep, Chelsea. You're doing the most. I'm like, we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> so we left. <laughs> um, I watched past. You should have. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to say her name. Let me not. Let me not. But um, I walked past people who are homeless masturbating. Yes. And to a certain extent, you kind of just kind of deal with it and go about your business. But this time was a little bit too much. <coughs> Excuse me. So what had happened was I got on a train and this guy followed me onto the train with his penis already out. And he then stood like less than a foot away from me stared at me while he like just masturbated and I chose not to move because I mean in the past when I've been through like kind of these situations I kind of freeze up and I don't really know what to do this time I chose to freeze I chose to stay because I was like I'm gonna record this bitch and I'm going to like get a recording and go to the police because this is just ridiculous Mm -hmm. it was during like um rush hour wow there was a lot of people on the train the train was extremely crowded and, like, all I just kept thinking about... And no one else saw him? No one else saw him. I think people saw that I was really uncomfortable. And I, like, got some concerned looks as to, like, why does she look like she's free out to freak out? Um, but nobody came up to me. Nobody helped me. Nor did I ask for help. Um, and I think I didn't ask for help because I was, like, afraid. I was really afraid of what to do. Like, if I say something, does this guy have a knife in his pocket? Mm-hmm. He's going to try to hit me. Because gotcha, gotcha. there was, like, stories in the media, like, around that time where, like, a lady was in a, like on a train. A guy was masturbating. She said something. He punched her in the face. Oh my god! And like nobody came to her rescue. So people are trash yeah, too. Okay, yeah. not just men. <laughs> also women. Everybody. Everybody's kind of have the capacity to be trash. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, I get off the train and I go to the ticket person, like the train ticket station, to go and request the police to come. I wait at the train station for an hour for the police to show up, first of all. And then when I tell them what happened, 
the cop asked me, well, was his penis out before or after he got on a train? And I said, well, he got on a train with his penis out. And he just started laughing. Wow. And I think that is an example of kind of how our legal system, criminal system, looks at sexual assault and sexual harassment. Uh-huh. As in, oh, well, isn't that funny? <laughs> like, uh-huh. And there was nothing funny about it. I think at the time when it happened, I was in a little bit of shock and I couldn't fully process it. So I was under kind of like, you know, just being like, oh, that's not a big deal. But as the time passed, like went on, I realized, oh, wait, I'm suffering from some like PTSD. Like I'm scared of men and I'm scared. Like every time, like for a good month or two after, I would always look at a man's crotch area to make sure their zipper is zipped up. Wow. And like, it would really freak me out. So I said that that's a lot of stay, but I just, what I wanted to tell, like to get out of that story is that you could literally report a sexual assault and get laughed at. And that happened. Other reasons um, why someone might choose to settle versus going the path of criminal charges is that going and pressing charges and going and testifying is a very traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to relive your experience in front of strangers, a courtroom that could be very well filled. Um, You have to testify in front of your, of the person you are accusing of assaulting you. That person could be staring you down. Yeah. Um, You have to go through physical examination. So you have to be violated again in order to press charges or in order to do a rape kit, I should say. So, it's not easy and it's not, and you don't owe anybody your story. And if that means that you need to take your time to protect yourself and not press charges, then that's up to you. I think that's actually really interesting because I too have a similar story and uh, I'm not going to go through all of it, but um, my first year of college, I was uh, followed and literally attacked at Mm -hmm. gunpoint and um, was about to be taken into a place. Oh, wow. Thank God. It's a big story, but I was about to be taken into a place, uh, like a a shed, and by the grace of God, these two guys from around my way heard me scream, saw me, and chased the guy. Mm. And they chased him. The cops never got him. But um, it was about a month after Mm -hmm. my situation when they dropped my, when they completely cut my my case. They said, um, oh, we, they couldn't follow up on anything. Apparently, they felt like my story wasn't credible. And oh. then they told my mother that some people, some kids make up stories like that because they don't want to finish school. Wow. And I'm like, first of all, I was paying for it. I was paying for college myself. Wow. Out of my own pocket. That's and, like, yeah. yeah. And I think no, that's no, what first year that's all. hurts about her yeah. comments because after that, like after what happened to me, mm-hmm. I had conversations with a lot of my women friends and I don't think that one of them has been through something similar. You know, like yeah. all of my friends who are women have experienced some form of sexual harassment or assault in some capacity. And whether or not they reported it to the police is another Thing, but like what the you said, do, yeah. the times that they How do, it's, it's not handled very well. Right. So according to Rain, which is one of the largest um, platforms for sexual assault um, survivors, they advocate, they provide, uh, they do a lot of awareness work. Um, out of every one thousand cases of rape, only thirteen of those cases will be referred to a prosecutor. 
And then out of those 13, only seven of them will lead to a criminal conviction. So you have out of a thousand cases, only seven of those cases will lead to a criminal conviction. So (laughs) when you testify and you try to go um, and press criminal charges, you're far more likely to not have a win or like, you're not going to put this person in jail. So when she's saying, I want these people off the streets, that doesn't necessarily, that's not a given when you go the criminal justice route, because we as a country and as a criminal justice system do not really respect women yeah. or their safety. Um, and that is very evident in some cases that I kind of want to highlight. So you have the 1991 case, um, Anita Hill testifying in front of an all white, all male judiciary Senate against Supreme court justice nominee Clarence Thomas. So what happened there was that Hill was working for Thomas. Um, Clarence Thomas is a black judge at the time he was being nominated for the Supreme court. Oh, well later he got nominated for the Supreme court, but when Hill was working for him, he kept coming up to her and offering, like trying to show her pornographic videos and making comments and was to keep talking to her about it. Um, she kind of brought this story to light when he got nominated and she got, um, she's testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Of course, Clarence Thomas is now a Supreme Court justice. Yeah. So he went on to be confirmed. Mm-hmm. This is not the only time this has happened in history where we have the Supreme Court justices, the highest mm-hmm. power in the country, being accused of sexual assault, sexual harassment. Um, last year, Brett Kavanaugh, our newest Supreme Court justice, also got accused for sexual assault, sexual harassment from uh, Dr. Ford. And he, who during their both, they went to school together, um, teenagers, Ford claims that um, Kavanaugh got on top of her and started like kind of dry humping her. Women don't really lie about it. Mm-hmm. I think less than 1% mm-hmm. will lie about a sexual assault. It, it, it's truly, first of all, to even go through <laughs> the process is time consuming. Yeah. No one wants to waste waste their time lying for no yeah. reason, especially when it's not a situation where every every single case will end up in some type of restitution. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it, where it's literally a situation where you where you really, really, really just want this person to be stopped. You, yeah, you know, it's it's, of course. it's coming. And then also, what we didn't mention is both of these women face death threats. So. Speaking out against a sexual assault can often put your life into danger. Absolutely. And what I wanted to make mention with these two cases is that if you have a criminal justice system where the highest power of those criminals like who uphold that system are guilty of sexually assaulting women, that system's failed. We fail women every single day. Yes. When only seven cases out of a thousand are being convicted for sexual assault, when we know there's far more cases mm-hmm. out there that's being reported that haven't been reported, right. you failed. Right. So how dare you say? How dare you compare sexual assault survivors to prostitution? Right. Let's not even talk about you trying to make that an insult first of all, because when we talk about prostitution, that's valid work. For people, okay? Right. Sex work is valid work. Right. We cannot look down upon it. So that's also problematic. That's another episode. I don't have the capacity to talk yeah. about that right now, but that's also very problematic too. So Remy 
please explain yourself because I don't understand. Right. She also went on to say something about um, why do women wait years yeah. to report these uh, sexual assault cases. And to go into thinking once, what we just covered is that it's extremely hard to get someone to believe you in the first place. And also, it's a process to actually start getting over that. Mm-hmm. Not getting over, but getting through it. Getting through the, the trauma of it. So most people sometimes need the therapy first. Yeah. To even get the courage to to stand up and say something. But I, I was truly, truly taken aback by how callous yeah. was. It was really callous. It was really... And I think... One of my professors, actually Professor Hendrickson, who was on the show, hey, 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 Um, (laughs) he, during one of the classes, asked us a question, and it was like, how do we continue to oppress ourselves? And I think, like, that's what Remy Ma is doing. She's continuing (laughs) the cycle of oppression for black women, Mm. because Brittany Taylor is a black woman. Yeah. So you continue with that oppression of black women in sexual assault, mm. the highest demographic of women to experience sexual assault um, within this country. So you are continuing the cycle of oppression. And I think that's kind of how we uphold it. And that's how it continues to function. Mm-hmm. So you really need to check yourself and check your ideology because like you, that type of thinking gets passed down onto your children, gets passed yeah. down onto other family members, and it doesn't lead to wave to people come to you to be like, hey, I need help from you. Yeah. It's, oh, wait, you look at sexual assault victims and you blame them mm-hmm. for their pain. You blame them for how they heal. And you don't have any rights to speak on that. Right. right. Not only do you blame them, but you shame them yeah. to the point where... You're mocking them and 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 mocking their intentions as well, which is crazy. All right, <sighs> Remy, do Remy. better. <laughs> so, I'm really tired of talking about this. <laughs> I can't. I, I guess I'm just like it's disappointing. At yeah. the end of the day, it's very disappointing. It's very harmful what she said, and I hope that she will see the error of her ways, especially given her being so harsh on other rappers. About this same topic. And I'm not the biggest fan of Nicki Minaj, but like you went in on her. So now once you put your voice out there, huh? Why'd you go in on her? Oh, so during the whole, like their whole beef, when she made um, her like diss track, she went in on Nicki Minaj, like paying her brother's. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Paying his, like her brother's court fees for him sexually assaulting a minor. Mm. So when you do that though, and you position yourself as an ally, Actually, I kind of want to talk about this. Okay. When you position yourself as an ally for a movement, you have to remain an ally for that movement if you're going to truly be one. However, I think she was trying to. I just think the wording and like her her ideology is flawed. I think what she meant to say was that she really wants these people in jail. That's what we all want. We Mm -hmm. all want these people in jail. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily the work of the survivors to put them there, though. Mm-hmm. You can't put that burden on the work. Like, you can't put that burden on survivors. It's not fair to them. And if they want to, great. That's very brave, very courageous. But you don't get to tell people how to heal. You don't get to tell people how to survive. Yeah. Um, and you can't put that type of burden on them because it's a burden that very well likely not see any outcome in the positive. Right. It could actually be more harmful Absolutely. in some ways. So. Absolutely. All right. So I did want to just end there because I do I do want to see 
I think she meant well-ish. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think she meant well. I I don't know because I think the language she used was completely inappropriate. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how. And also in this day and age, get some media training and never had that. Those words like sound bites, whatever your intentions might have gotten lost through the sound bite of it and the editing of it. But those words should never came out your mouth. Period. Yeah, I like like I said, it was it was the the energy behind it. Yeah, it was very passionate. Right. That that like like she was almost upset. Yeah. Um, with the victims more than the actual uh assaulters. But you know, I mean, hey. I I mean if, if you see some good intentions there, then more <laughs> power to you. <laughs> not good intentions, not good intentions. I just think I think the energy was, well, I want them in jail. They need to go to jail. But then like also the way she stated it, the way she argued it was wrong. So I think her messaging was, oh, we need to arrest these people and they need to be in jail. But the money isn't the answer. But the money is not the okay. answer. Okay. I think that's what yeah. she was saying. I think, and I think she was trying to keep it yeah. that slim. But I think she's wrong about that too because I do think that money the cost... Money could be the answer. Yes, and I think the cost of surviving sexual assault is very expensive. Huh. And that also shouldn't be a burden on the survivor. Neither. Absolutely. Um, so there okay. we go. I'll end it with that. Yes. Remy, you're on my, I ain't fucking with you right now because I don't know what you're about. <laughs> and sometimes you got to go on the, like, you know, you want timeout. Yeah. So you want timeout so you can uh, make it make sense. Is she canceled? And, Are we saying she's canceled? You know, or? I, I only cancel people when you come up on my radar too, too, too many times. This is a, I kind of put this in the same category with like Taraji P. Henson and Erica Badu after the comments they made about like R. Kelly's sexual assault victims yeah. and stuff like that. And I'm just like, aunties, please stop. Like it's like yeah. the aunties who hurt you, who love you but hurt you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what I wanted to name an episode actually. <laughs> I really did. I wanted to name an episode of the aunties who love you but just so let you down. Like, you know, <laughs> just let you down. Well, so. That's for another episode. Yeah, it's another episode another day. <laughs> But anyways, this week, I am not exactly sure if I'm doing a giveaway or not, but I do, actually, I did say I wanted to give away a book. Yeah. So, um, look at my Instagram account, because I don't got the name of the book right now, okay? <laughs> but I do have, like, two books that I'm going to give away, and I'm going to post the questions, because we cover two different topics. So, I'm going to post the questions on our Instagram account, and you guys will be entered into a chance to win a book. That was very well organized, so you're welcome. Okay, <laughs> so <laughs> look, I look. I even wrote this out in my notes. This is what the left, like what I was supposed to say. This week we will not be doing a giveaway because I did not have time to fully plan for this episode. And I'm going to keep it real with y'all. Okay, like I said, it's I've been sick and it's been a week. Okay, so. Please follow Franny on... Yes, you can follow me on Instagram. Um, You can follow my my business page first. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As Chelsea already let you know, I'm a hairstylist. You can follow me at Finesse Tresses by Fran. That's Finesse, F-I-N-E-S-S-E-D, Tresses, T-R-E-S-S-E-S, by B-Y, Fran, F-R-A-N. And my personal page, you can follow me at Fran the Phoenix, Fran underscore the Phoenix. Uh, you got that. So, yeah. <laughs> you don't need me to spell that you out to you. Right. But if yeah, you do, Google Phoenix. Okay. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, 
I don't hate. I'm a horrible the correct speller. Spelling. Okay, I'm a horrible speller. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing work for us who have dyslexia over here. Okay, because it's hard. It's a hard life to live. All right. Thank you. All right. So thank you all so much for listening. Please tune in next week. I will talk to you all then. Deuces.